Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Matt Chat. We've got some new sponsors. First of all, we want to thank thefantasygrade.com, the Fantasy Wrestling National Championship. They have both a live and an online contest coming up in for Pittsburgh on the night before the NCAA tournament. You can go and get all the information at fantasygrade.com. Yeah, today's guest is the University of Iowa assistant coach, Ryan Morningstar. Ryan, I know it's been crazy with your schedule. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Well, I appreciate you asking me and, and having me on, so good deal. For sure. Well, I got a chance to talk to you in Vegas. Probably the first time I ever could actually sit and talk to you, and you, it was a really interesting conversation for me, and I thought, well, if it was interesting to me, I'm guessing a lot of other people would find it interesting as well. So, you know, one of the first things that kind of struck me is your role within that Iowa coaching staff because, you know, you've got Tom, Terry, Telford, Mark Perry, yourself, and obviously a lot of other guys that are still there in a training capacity that I'm sure act, you know, like unofficial assistant coaches and mentors and everything like that. I mean, it's kind of a loaded question, but what is it like working alongside all those different personalities? Um, well, I think it's great. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, you got a little bit of everything, which I think is important for, for coaching, uh, to be able to reach your guys and have different personalities and, and, um, you know, the, the, uh, whole dynamic coaching dynamic that we have, I think is, is healthy. And, um, you know, we, we try to keep an open mind to everything and, and, um, you know, it's, it's awesome working with the people that I work with. I'm very blessed. And, and, um, you know, it's, it, there's not too many people that uh, get to work around the mentality the, of what we have in this office right here. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, that's, that's an interesting segue to, you know, I've had a chance to talk to Tom a little bit on the phone and Terry's been on the show on more than one occasion. It's been very accommodating, but I, from my interactions with them, I think there's some, some misconceptions about those guys as a guy that knows them obviously really well what would you say some of the biggest misconceptions are? Um, that they're serious all the time, probably, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of misconceptions. They, they're in a lot of people, the only time they see them is in a dual meet or in a competition format um, or on TV. So they don't really know the, the, um, the actual personalities of, of Tom and Terry, I guess. So, um, the misconception is that they're serious all the time and they only care about it, only care about, uh, one thing and one thing only, and that's winning and this and that. And, you know, it's, um, you know, obviously winning is very, very important around here, but there is, I mean, they're, they're fun to be around. They've, they've got a very funny personality. Their, their, uh, their jokes are hilarious and their pranks are even funnier. And, you know, they're, they're a good group of guys to be around and, and very motivating to be around as well. Yeah, Terry tried to tell a joke on the podcast and it didn't work out so good. But just like when I was around those guys up there at the World Cup and, um, you know, listening to him kind of just speaking off the cuff to guys when, you know, they don't know they're being listened to. I, I think that's really true that they're just normal guys that seem like, and they've done some obviously abnormally good things, but that they flip a switch, I think, when the competition and when practice time and all that comes on is, is that kind of how you see them? Um, yeah, I mean, when it's when it's time when when uh, it's time for business, it's time for business, you know. And and uh, there's 
they're competitive, you know, and they're they're always looking for the, that competitive edge when it comes to the sport of wrestling. And and um, there's definitely a switch that gets flipped, I guess you could say. Um, kind of cliche to say, but I mean, it's that's kind of how it is, I guess. So, yeah. One of the things that interested me was about your career is that so many really good guys come through Iowa every year. And, you know, I'm curious as to, you know, what was the process like to, uh, you know, apply for a job there and to be a part of it? And, you know, was there a bunch of people applying every year? And, you know, how did things fall in place for you to actually become a part of the staff? Um, well, kind of an interesting question, I guess. Um, so, I wrestled the world trials in 2011. I trained in the hockey wrestling club for a year. Um, and you know, obviously as a, as a club guy, you're a mentor to younger guys and you, um, you know, you're there to help, help your future of your program that you decide to be in a club with. And for the university of Iowa, that was me. I wanted to see the Hawkeyes do very well. And so I took uh, I took a lot of pride in guys around my weight class to do well. You know, I mean, I, re- I remember specifically wrestling a lot of workouts when uh, with Derek St. John when he was a red shirt. He, I think he was a red shirt the year I was in the club. Um, I wrestled a lot with guys like Aaron Jansen and um, Jake Kerr and, and uh, Ballwigs and guys like that. And, and I really enjoyed enjoyed mentoring those guys. And then <clears throat> I got a call from Barry Davis to go up there to to uh, coach the University of Wisconsin. And uh, while I was up there, I, I had a lot of fun, um, uh, learned a lot, um, you know, kind of latched on to a uh, couple of those those guys and helped develop them. And, um, you know, after a year of being gone, I got a call from, from Tom and Terry uh, to come back, and, and it was a huge opportunity for me. It's the program I grew up in and a and, uh, program that I – have always admired and you know i mean one of the things that that tom always says when he introduces me is that no one's ever said a bad word about me but that, i don't believe that's true i think there's a lot of people that have said bad words about me but but um you know <laughs> that's a whole nother tangent we could take this interview man <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like i don't know if i agree with that I'm, there's a lot of people out there who disagree with you on that but anyway so, um, you know, I mean, I, I, uh, I have a passion for it. Um, I take a lot of pride in it. Um, I love the recruiting side of it, and that was something that um, Tom wanted to address. I, I like building those new relationships. I like being on the road. It's, it's something that, I mean, I just enjoy, enjoy doing. So, um, so yeah, so I got, got the call to come back, and, you know, there's a lot of people that, that – um, I'm sure would have done a great job in my role and I'm blessed that I have such good relationships with, uh, with Tom and Terry and, and the rest of the staff and got the opportunity to be, to be in the place that I love. Sure. Well, and it's interesting because when Terry was on the last time, he spoke glowingly about you and your, and especially your ability to recruit successfully because obviously you guys have had some, outstanding recruiting classes you've made headway in the places like Ohio and especially Pennsylvania I think you know if everybody had been healthy this year half your starting lineup would have been from PA and so you know in my time coaching I spent a ton of time recruiting and I actually really liked it but I think a lot of people thought I was crazy for liking it because it's you're dealing with a lot of traveling and 
you know, ultimately some rejection and things like that. What do you like the most about recruiting? Um, I like the well, most, I, I mean, the, the biggest thing probably is building the relationships. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool that you get to go to um, all these, you know, high caliber tournaments, like, you know, the Ironman and super 32 and, and um, Fargo and junior duels and, and um, all these different tournaments and, and have your job be to evaluate prospects. It's pretty cool. Um, so, but yeah, the, the relationship side of it, you know, learning, learning about, um, you know, the future, what getting excited about the future of the program and how these guys can be plugged in and how they can make an impact immediate or down the road. Um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's neat for me. It's, it's something that motivates me. It's something that, uh, you know, I just take a lot of joy in doing and, and, um, yeah, I would say that the relationships is probably the biggest thing, you know, and, and, and having that build up for seeing the future of where the program could be heading with a certain prospect in your lineup. You know, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Is it, what if any part of recruiting, you know, do you not like as much? Um, I would say probably the, like the negative recruiting that goes along with it. When you hear about some of the, some of the things that the other coaches say about your program that just, aren't, that just aren't true. You know, I mean, you hear some stuff that some of these other, other places say about you and then you I mean they're just completely false and they're just doing it to to get a sale basically and and you know that that negative recruiting has actually helped us I mean obviously it it can hurt you uh, but it's actually helped us you know um, getting guys like Spencer Lee they they can see he he saw through some of that negative um, stigma that other programs try to to put on you and and uh we just don't like to focus on stuff like that i guess we like to focus on what we have to offer and what we can do for them and and we don't really focus i guess on on a lot of what other programs are doing so yeah and it's like you're reading from my script because the next thing i was going to ask you is what do you focus on i mean i know that coaches and i've talked to enough coaches and everybody in the world wants the same thing a good kid super talented great work ethic good grades you know no behavioral problems but I guess what I'm asking is, what do you focus on when talking to the recruit? Like, what things do you really emphasize about Iowa and the program and the coaching staff, the RTC? Like, you know, what are the things that you feel like are sort of the biggest sales points of the program? Um, I would say that, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the tradition is there, and a lot of people know about the Hawkeye tradition. Um, but uh, you know, one of our biggest sales is is when we get guys to campus and they see the the camaraderie of the team. They feel the the family type atmosphere. Um, they see the lengths that the coaches, staff, administration, um, your doctors, your your trainers, the lengths that they go to take care of our student athletes is is pretty. Uh, pretty impressive and that's kind of the compliments that we get when we get guys on campus they they have like a, a stigma almost or, or they, they they hear a lot of things and but until they get on campus and they see it um it's pretty special that way and um so i i think the biggest one of the biggest pitches is when we get guys on campus and they they see it for themselves and and they see the links and, and the, the care that the the coaches have for for each one of the athletes from your from your blue chips all the way down to your to your walk-ons and everything in between you know my guess would be that as a guy that 
if you're not the director of recruiting, you're certainly a you know gigantic part of it that you feel like your ability to get the guys you want goes up dramatically if you can get them to make a campus visit. Yeah, when we get guys to campus, we, we feel pretty good uh, about where we're at. Um, you know, there's there's been cases where you get guys to campus and you know what, you're like, oh, I don't know if this is the right, this guy is the right fit for our program. You know, you get to see a lot of what they, what what's going on with them and how they interact with our guys um, as well. So it's, it's kind of a two way street, you know I mean? Right. Um, you can, you can, you'll get, you get a great feel for guys when they get to campus and if they're a good fit and, and um, if it's just not the right fit, you know, it's just, um, that, that's the biggest thing, I guess, is just get them here and, yeah. But I think that part you just said is, you know, it's very important, but more subtle because when we recruited, we'd bring guys in. There was always a couple guys that I knew would tell me like, hey, this guy wanted to go out and get in trouble. This guy more just wanted to hang out and, you know, meet the guys, you know, everything in between. This guy just wanted, you know, you know mm-hmm. all these different things. And obviously it's interesting because kids are more themselves, I think, when they're not around adults or authority figures. And so when you can kind of figure some of that out, because you're obviously at the end of the day, you're making an educated guess on whether or not you want this person to be a part of your program for the next four to five years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that's where, where my job comes in is to have that pulse on these, these kids, even before you get them to campus. Right. And, um, you, you know, and uh, the thing is with, like you said, I mean, a lot of programs will just, you know, they'll go through the rankings and be like, hey, let's get this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy to come to campus. Um, we try to make it a, a little bit like a, like a special thing. You know, I, I've kind of taken a taken a page out of Coach Kirk Ferentz's book, too, um, with with his recruiting. Uh, he's He just doesn't go off for the best guys in the country. He goes and he finds the right guys for the Iowa Hawkeye football program, and he – and if you get an offer from Iowa, it means something. And, and, the, and um, you know, where a lot of other programs, they'll just scatter, shoot like a, like a sawed-off shotgun, you know, and right. see where they get bites here, 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 and there. And then, you know, so for us, in, in our case, you know, where I take a page out of Kirk Ferentz's book is, um, you know, find the guys that you think could, could fit well. And then when they come to campus, it's a, it's a uh, – you know, it's a special thing to, to get guys to come to campus. It's not just going out and finding the highest ranked guys and get them to campus and see if we can get them to commit. You know, it's we we find the guys that we want to bring in and we build relationships with those guys and then we bring them in for the official visit. And then it makes it more intimate that way, I think, and and uh, makes a visit so smoother and and um, you know more successful in, in theory in the long run. <laughs> so definitely. But, I, but there are obviously certain guys that are so talented or so successful that you're just hoping that they they do fit into the Iowa mold or mentality you want because it's pretty easy to see that they can win at that next level. And, you know, I guess you're almost just doing your, your due diligence there, hoping that they're not not the guys that won't fit in the program. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, you, you got to have the groundwork laid out. You uh, And... You know, building those relationships is huge, and I mean, just just like anything else, and um, you know, when, when you you want to have those relationships built, when I mean, once we recruit a guy and they they commit, that you know, that doesn't stop. We're constantly in touch with them, and and uh, you know, the relationship continues to build. We follow their results, we follow, you know, their their careers and and everything else. So, right. 
Um, let's jump to a little bit to this year's team. I'll start out with just some of the things that have been challenges for you guys. Kemmer injured out for the year. Sam Stoll, obviously you guys are being smart, but he's wrestling sparingly. You know, Spencer Lee's lost in Midlands. But overall, super impressive. Everybody is, I think, ranked in the top 20. Caleb Young is a guy to me that seems like he's improving every week. Yeah, at this point of the year, and I guess I should tell people we're recording this at around 2 o'clock in the afternoon on uh, Monday, January 28th, right after the uh, weekend duels with Illinois Northwestern. What are your impressions of the year so far? Um, you know, we started off the year a little rocky with, with some injuries, and, you know, every team has them, and every team has the sickness bug go through them. So we started off the year – you know, a little rocky, but you know, things are coming together. The guys are, 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 uh, they're not firing on all cylinders yet. In my opinion, I think their best wrestling is ahead of them. Um, but so far the things are starting to come together and, you know, you, you start when things start to come together in January and February, that's, that's kind of where you want to be. And, um, you know, so we got a lot of, we gotta, we gotta get a lot better. Obviously there's, there's things to clean up. And uh, there always is, especially this time of year. But when you see the, the, the wheels in motion, you see things kind of start to come together and uh, the team starts to mold, um, you know, it's, it's good. So, so far, so good, I, I, I would say. Um, you know, there's, there's been some losses. There's been some highs. There's been some lows, just like any other season, any other team. But, um, you know, the way things are going and the, things are, the way things are trending right now, I think that, our best wrestling is ahead of us and, and uh, I'm excited to see how things pan out these, these next two months or 50, whatever days. So it's kind of a sprint now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when the first time, like I said, I really talked to you at any length of time was in Vegas and we're sitting in the stands and you gave me this quote, Bruce Baumgartner. And I want, I want to get it right because I've told people about it, but um, when you get to be my age, you forget things a lot quicker. So it was about healthy versus injured guys and getting to the end of the season. So first of all, what was that quote again? So I get it right. Um, it was something along the lines of um, going into competition. It is better to be healthy and unprepared than injured and hurt and prepared basically is the and it's not like a direct it's not like a a word for word but that's kind of the the gist of it yeah yeah for sure so to me that quote is very atypical of what i think most of us perceived the university of iowa's philosophy to be which is like grind 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 you know keep if you can walk you can wrestle how have you guys applied that in your coaching philosophy Oh, we, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we're just starting to apply it. Um, I think that, uh, we're very aware of it and we want to do what's best for our athlete. Um, you know, dual meets are very important. Um, they're very important to our fans. They're, they're measuring sticks going into postseason, obviously that, especially with individual matchups and everything else. But, um, you know, we want to do what's best for the athlete and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, you got to be healthy and, you know, college wrestling, there's, there's a lot of injuries. Um, there's, there's a lot of freaky things that can happen and we've seen it and we deal with it. And so basically I, I think that is a, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, a quote, I guess you could say that I, 
I go back to, and, and sometimes less can be more in the long run. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So from my point of view in the past, Iowa, you know, and I'm 48, so, you know, like I'm, I'm right around Tom and Terry's age, I think. So in the past, like I was extremely focused on just being physical, wearing guys down, certainly technique, getting guys tired, and not so much worried about winning the first half of the match as it just being exhausting. And then, hey, we'll see, you know, how deep of the waters you can go into because we know how deep we can go. And while that is obviously still important, it, it looks to me now like scrambling, higher skill sets, you know, like higher level turnings and strategy have kind of become a bigger part of the philosophy and game plan, not only of your program, but programs in general. So how do you see it? Am I, am I off? Am I close? Or, you know, what is your perception of that? Um, well, I would say, you know, I mean, you, you talk about that, the Iowa style of wrestling and, and I, I, you know, I think there's misconceptions almost with the Iowa style wrestling. Oh, it's all hand fighting and, and snap downs and go behinds and there's no technique. It's just brawling. Um, to me, that's, that's nowhere near what the Iowa style is. I mean, the quote Iowa style. I mean, I think to me, the Iowa style is, you know, hustle fight, put points on the scoreboard. And, you know, to me that that's, that's uh, something that never goes out of style. Right. Um, but obviously there's, you know, there's, a, there's more scrambling. You see a lot more mat wrestling and scrambling and all that. And you have to adapt to that. And, and, um, you know, but basically to me, it's, it's, it's the Iowa style is, is hustling and, and attitude and, and fight and putting points on the board. And if you put points on the board by funking, then great. That's Iowa style. If you put points on the board by riding for four minutes and turning and pinning, that's, that's, that's Iowa style to me. And, and, um, that's kind of the philosophy that, that, um, you know, Tom preaches, Terry preaches and, and, you know, all going all the way back to Gable. I mean, you had guys like, uh, you got, you had your, your guys like Royce Alger and Tom Brands and Terry Brands. And you had your guys like, um, Rico Ciparelli, you know, uh, that, Mark, uh, Mark, was, Mark the, Perry, Mark Perry was Mark Perry. Perry. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Mark, Mark, Mark Perry. Absolutely. So, um, to me, there, there's the style of scoring points and, and having some attitude and having, having some hustle and, and having fun doing it. So, ah, I, yeah, I, 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 I do think it's interesting because I think people are lazy, right? Like we just want to put something in a box and, and not, not get layered and, and not get complex. And so I, I think what you're saying is, look, it's not just this one box. It's, it's complicated. And we've had some guys that have won with this style, but we've had guys win with a lot of other, you know, styles and had high levels of success. And, you know, when you listen to Tom and Terry and yourself, like the times you guys are mic'd up and stuff like that, it isn't like just go forward, be physical. I mean, there's there's coaching and technique and things like that. So it's clearly, you know, it's clearly part of your guys, you know, game plan and how you guys bring kids into the program. So absolutely. So I told you I was going to ask you about this. You know, I think the two sort of biggest lightning rods in the sport right now at the collegiate level are, Gable Stevenson and, and Austin DeSanto. And I know DeSanto is your guy and you guys love him. So just a couple questions about him. Um, and you can answer these and I'll just ask him one at a time. How was he in the transfer recruiting process? 
like how was his like how the the whole thing pan out or how was his attitude what do you mean how well, was I mean, like how'd like, it go like you saw you saw what happened through the season you saw what happened at nationals when you talked to him maybe i'll just say this like was he what you anticipated was he really different you know was he a kid that was pretty easy to communicate with you know i mean just i guess you know if you can just take us behind the curtain a little bit um, well, it kind of started out when um, when basically he got his release from, we heard he got his release from Drexel, so we reached out right away. He was hard to get a hold of, and he's hard to get a hold of because he's not, you know, like most kids his age are married to their phones almost, you know, they're they're constantly on social media, they're, they're constantly texting and everything else, and, um, you know, so it was hard to get a hold of him, and, and we finally finally got a hold of his parents and and um went out and saw him as soon as we could and that's kind of how it how it uh started going and and he got comfortable with this uh very quickly and and i asked him you know i think it was, we went and saw him three times and um you know we we knew that he would he's a great fit for our program and our fans would love him and uh so we went the, the first time we went out there i asked him i just said hey so you got to tell me what what was the deal with, with the national tournament that, you know, everyone's talking about the, whatever it was, the flying Kimura or whatever. And right. he's like, I, to me, to, he said to me, it was, I'm trying to put points on the board. I'm trying to win the match. And I had it tight where if I wanted to hurt him, physically hurt him and break his arm, I, I could have broke his arm. I was trying to get him to his back, you know? And so there's, there's, so I, obviously there's there's a, a target on his back now and people are more aware of him now and their officials are are more conscious of him now um so we we've got to toe the line with him and we're working on that every day and and he is all i mean his his ears are wide open he's taking direction well and, we, and you know it's not just something that you know <clears throat> at the end of the match he gets excited you know he's He's an he's an emotional guy where where you know he's he's never really had, um, you know thousands of people in front of him, you know, watching a match and and he gets excited in front of our fans and and we had a lot of fans up in Minnesota we had a lot of fans uh, for the Rutgers match here and so we got to we got to control those emotions a little bit but he's doing a good job and we just got to keep progressing you know and. Um, he's a great kid. He, the guys on the team love him. Um, you know, he's very even keel. He's very even keel. He loves the sport of wrestling, and he's very passionate about it. it I, you said a lot, and it's, it's all interesting to me. The line about him being even keel is kind of the surprising line because I think on the outside you're like, that doesn't look even keel, right? Like, if- Yeah, so what I mean by even keel is, and I should have said this you know, I, I was jumping around a little bit, but by even keel, you know, when when uh, when he's in a, a social environment, whether it's before practice or he's hanging out with the guys after practice or whatever, he's very even keel. Like he's 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 uh, you know he he fits fits in awesome with our guys. He's he's fun to be around. He's he's got a great personality. I mean, he's just a great kid, you know, and. And so he's even keel that way is what I mean. And so when you see emotions after, after a big match, um, they're emotions, you know, they're, they're, uh, um, 
he's an emotional guy. I don't know how else to put it. He's just a, he's a very excitable guy and, and, uh, he wants to win. He wants to win bad. So, um, that's what I mean by even keel though, is he's, uh, in the room, you know, he's, he's tenacious, you know, off the mat. He's a great kid. He's a, I mean, he's a guy that you'd want to hang out with. Yeah. And you mentioned this, so I'm interested, like, you know, how do you feel about the end of the Lisiak and Soriano matches and what specifically is being done to, to address those kind of things? Cause I mean, if that happens at nationals, literally like a referee yeah. could, could conceivably disqualify him, which would be like a mess and tragic and, you know, bricks being thrown and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, what is your perception of those things and how are you guys dealing with that? Um, well, me personally, I was never, I was never that way. I was, I was always, um, I was always shake, shake the guy's hand and, and get off the mat. Um, you know, but different strokes for different folks, as they say. And, and um, you know, you, you don't want to, we don't want robots either where, where, you know, we're telling them what to do and how to act, but you know what, you gotta, you gotta toe the line. You gotta be within the rules and um, just constant reminders with him um exercises that we do with him to to help him out and you know there's there's a lot of people there's a lot of talk out there that you know they're they either love him or they hate him and there's there's not a lot of well he's okay you know there's not a lot in between you know so <laughs> so you either love how the guy competes and and really embrace it or you know they they just they just don't care for him so um you know, you got to toe the line and you got to be within the rules and we work on it daily and, and, um, he's, he's only going to get better. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anybody that dislikes how the kid competes. I just think that, you know, obviously the extracurricular stuff is, you know, anybody, if you're raising a son or a daughter who's competing, you know, in general, every, like you said, you know, like, Hey, be like Ryan, Ryan Morningstar was win, lose or draw, shake hands, show respect, you know, get angry or get excited sort of off the mat, you know, where it's, where it's not a discredit to your opponent, but obviously you guys are doing what you can to handle that. And, you know, I think all of us would love it that, you know, that kid wrestles to the best of his ability and none of the extracurricular stuff happens so that it, it literally becomes a non-story. So I'm well, yeah. you know, you look at the, you look at the Lee Zach match and, and, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get too far into this, but he had a little extra motivation in that match and, and even though he doesn't have social media, I mean, a lot of his teammates do. And, (laughs) (laughs) and so, and he doesn't see it. He just hears about it. And so he takes that stuff personal, you know, and, and him choosing down in the third period of that match was, you know, I don't want to get too far into it, but that was, that was motivation for him. And you know what, at the same time, you know, he's got to, he's got to toe the line because you don't want to give your opponent's motivation in the future too. You know, not saying that you can't take them, take them on in full, full head of steam, but you know, um, my philosophy was, you know, you don't, you don't need to poke a, poke a bear or fan of flame or however else you want to say it, but um, just do your business. And, and uh, you don't, you don't need to do the extracurricular stuff. Just if you want to pump up the crowd, pump up the crowd, you know, and, and he, he's, He's, uh, like I said earlier, he's, his ears are wide open. So, Well, right, and I, I'll just say this and we'll move on. But, you know, in the interview afterwards, you know, he said, I got to do better and stuff like that. And obviously, anytime somebody needs to do better at anything in life, you know, whether it's 
you know, doing more push-ups or stop and bite your fingernails or anything in between, the first step is to acknowledge I, I do need to do better. So I think, you know, they're obviously super hopeful. Um, I want to jump to the RTC because to me, one of the biggest reasons to go to the University of Iowa is the training center not only for your post-collegiate training, but the guys you get to train with while you're there. So, you know, catch me up on that. You know, who are who are, who else training there now, and who are some of the biggest Olympic hopefuls you have going into 2020? Um, well, for for our club, we have uh, we actually have five women that are in the club: um, Allie Reagan, Kayla Beck, Kayla Miracle. Um, Phyllis Marinari and Lauren Louise. And then, uh, so those are Olympic hopefuls for, for the, on the women's side of things. And, uh, they're doing a good job and Mark Perry does a really good job of getting them ready. Um, on the men's side of it, we got, um, Gilman Clark, uh, Nodir Safarov, who is, who is Bekistan's 57 kilo guy. Um, Gilman actually beat him in the quarterfinals of the world championships two years ago. Um, so he's, he, he brings that, that European feel that, that uh, you know, can be up to find sometimes in the States, but um, he does a good job. Um, Nick Dardanes, Brandon Sorensen, uh, Sammy Brooks, and Nathan Burak. So we have a, we have a pretty good, <laughs> pretty good size. One, one or two decent guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. tell me, I mean, obviously, I think one of the main storylines of the 16 trials was, you know, what happened to 57 kilos with, with Dennis and Ramos. And, you know, I think us on the outside, we think it's very possible that Gilman and Spencer Lee could be in that same sort of scenario. So, I mean, it's, are, they're obviously both going to be at 57 kilos. Do they train with each other a lot? Do you, do you feel like it's going to go differently this time? Or, you know, what's your perception on all that? Yeah, I mean it's uh, Gilman's. Gilman's just. A, I mean, I I love Ramos. Um, Gilman's just a little different than Ramos. Um, he he embraces. Not saying that Ramos didn't embrace the competition in the room. I'm not saying that. But Gilman, Gilman, um, he embraces the competition in the room, and he uh, Spencer Lee is is a tool for him to use, and. Uh, you know, he does a really good job mentoring. Um, he does a really good job of getting the most out of himself and getting what he needs. Um, you know, it's it's a great training environment for, especially for, you know, um, Gilman, Clark, Safarov, uh, Lee. You know, it, it's it's DeSanto. You know, it's a good good uh, environment for everybody. And and um, you know, and I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying that you know those guys don't, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm not saying that, that Thomas Gilman and Spencer Lee, they wrestle every single day, but, uh, you know, they have some awesome goals. It's fun to watch. Uh, uh, when those two, when those two, you know, both get ready to go and they're both feeling their oats. I mean, I tell you what, those guys, they, it, it is, a it is awesome to watch. And some of the best matches I've ever seen are right, right in Carver Hawkeye arena in the, in the wrestling room. So, um, it's fun to watch. And then you throw Clark and Safarov in that mix and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty fun, pretty fun to watch. Yeah. I, I think some, one of the cool things about having good guys and recruiting 
is some of the practice matches or things that, like you said, you could sell tickets for, and you know, you got the best seat in the house, and then you get to try to pick it apart. And you know, one day you're trying to help one guy, and the next day you're trying to help the other guy. And you know, I think that's the cool part. Wrestling is this really interesting mix to me of, of needing to be incredibly selfish at times, and then at other times being incredibly unselfish and kind of knowing when, when it's time to step on which pedal. Yeah, and, and um, you know, that's that's why we, we are very blessed in our club with the guys that we have and the, the guys that we've been able to maintain. Um, you know, Randy Novak and our Hawkeye Wrestling Wrestling Club board has, have done a great job of uh, fundraising to be able to keep these guys around and and um, they're great mentors and and um, they uh, they do a really good job of of I mean even if, even though they're they they know that they'll probably be competing against each other they know that um, you know if if Thomas Gilman helps Spencer Lee then it, ultimately that's going to help Thomas Gilman and um, that's something that they believe in and something that they have uh they they uh take pride in you know and and they take pride in the university of iowa lightweight situation they just they just do and that's that's something special and something that uh it's pretty neat to see i'm making a note here in 2020 to get you on and ask you who's going to sit in which corner if those guys are in the finals so I think that'll be fun. So um, I just, I want to close with just kind of a few big picture questions. Um, I've been asking a lot of guys this, and I'm super interested in people's opinions that are in the thick of this. So first question, do you think wrestling should stay as a two semester sport or go to one? And if one fall or spring and why that choice? Um, I'm more of a traditionalist. I don't really have a strong, strong opinion on it. Obviously, I, I like the two semester for that for that reason. Um, but I don't see it as being broke, so I don't, you know, I don't think we need to fix it, in my opinion. So I'm a traditionalist. I'm I'm a two semester guy. Gotcha. Do you think dual meet should be part of determining the team national champion? And if so, why and how would you do it? Um, <laughs> once again, I love the traditional national tournament. Um, I think that they, uh, I think, you know, with, I think dual meets are important, um, as a, uh, you know, getting ready for the NCAA tournament. I don't think it should determine the national, the national champion. Um, I just don't, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. Like I said, I, I like it. Uh, you know, you look at the spec, the, the, uh, the, NCAA tournament now it is an awesome event and speculate it's just for spectators it's great um you know there's a lot of attention around it um you know I just I'm just not a fan of the dual meet champion just not yeah I do think we got to do something to kind of make duels a little bit more important but I think it gets convoluted you know it's so convoluted if you try to figure it out and, you know, I think that's one of the problems right now. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing with that is, um, you know, when they had uh, when they had the national duels in Cedar Falls and, you know, I think it was like mid-January, I loved that event. That was one of my favorite events of the year to, to compete in, um, you know, and, and you know, they, they would say, oh, well, so-and-so didn't show up, so is it really a national title? Is it 
so-and-so didn't show up. I mean, to me, you know, it's, it's, uh, that was an awesome event, whether it determined the national champion or not. Um, I don't know, but I, I just, I, I thought the national duels was a good event when it was then, when it was in January and, and, uh, you know, I don't know if it'll ever get back to that or if they'll go back to that bull format or, or what the NWSA will do. Um, but, uh, yeah, to go back, I just don't think that, you know, it's, it's layered. Probably it's, not. No <laughs> I think that's the thing, you know, and like you said, the, the tournament as it is, is one of the few profitable uh, national championships the NCAA holds. So I think they are deservedly very skeptical about, you know, making any changes and, and doing anything that would water that down. Cause like you said, you know, right now, like I do the rankings for track and, you know, I think people understand they've listened to me enough just cause I have a guy ranked in this spot. Doesn't mean my personal opinion is he'll do, you know, good, better or worse than that. But rankings are awesome in terms of generating conversation, you know, like, Hey, Mor- morning stars, the four seed, David's the five seed. How do you think that quarterfinal is going to go? You know, things like that. But you know, mm-hmm. at the, the end of the day, the cool thing I think about the tournament that you guys participate in is if you're pretty good, you know, you can qualify through that gold or silver certification process. You're going to get in the tournament and then whatever idiot rankers like myself think it doesn't matter if you win five or if a pig <laughs> Six matches, you're the champ, and it doesn't matter if we thought it was impossible or not. So, um, yep. hands to the face rule. What do you think? Um, I like it. I like the rule. Um, to me, you know, I, I mean, if I was making the rule, I would, I would probably do it like they do the, well, they used to do the finger grab where, you know, maybe you give them a warning, and then if you, you keep continuously going back to it, you hit them. But I like the rule. I personally like the rule. I think it um, ultimately re- rewards the offensive wrestler just because, you know, you're able to, um, you know, I, you see a lot of guys that, that, that run or guys that post on the head and kind of back up. So I think it, I think it revo- <clears throat> rewards an offensive wrestler. I think that I think it's a good rule. I think it's a good rule. What do you think of the rule? I, I like your part about the finger grab. The finger grab thing to me is so convoluted because if you grab my fingers or my, I grab yours, it's so difficult to, to see who did that first. But uh, Absolutely, absolutely. First of all, you're the first guy to ever ask me my opinion on my show, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's only been 86 episodes where somebody thought what I, what I thought mattered. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like they should give a warning before they do it, like you're saying, yep. like, because yep. to me, that point is, if you're good on bottom and I'm good on bottom, that's the equivalent of a takedown and an escape. And, yep. you know, that's big, right? Because if we're even, getting a takedown is really hard. On the other hand, you know, if you know the rules, just don't do it, right? Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Don't, don't, yeah. The only part I don't like is it's kind of like the targeting rule in the NFL where I can aim for the right part of your body and then you duck your head. And next thing I know, I went helmet to helmet on you. Like I could be aiming for the top of your head and you almost level change up into it. And the next thing you know, I, I did it. I did an illegal move, but it was unintentionally. But I, I think yeah. the, the emphasis of it, like yeah. you're saying, is go forward. You know, if you're coming forward at me and I just keep basically jabbing you with an open hand jab to keep you off of me, that I think that's the point of the rule. You can't do that. And I think that part's awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I actually saw a guy... 
uh, earlier this year, he grabbed a guy's hand and put it on his face. And, uh, and, and he got called for it. I was like, holy, that's not, I don't think that's the intention. <laughs> that's the <laughs> needs to be some common sense there. Yeah. That's funny, man. But anyway, All right. So if I make uh, you king of wrestling for a day, what one rule would you change, either collegiately or internationally? Um, I don't know. That's kind of that's kind of tough. So the biggest thing that, that I'm kind of on a kick right now is you know watching some of these films and stuff, watching a lot of film, and um, there's almost like I don't want to say like an MMA mentality, but I feel like a lot of guys are pulling knees against the joints or, um, you know, pulling ankles out and stuff like that. And, you know, there's, there's, to me, there's gotta be some kind of, some kind of, I don't know whether you get stingier on it. Like you did the hands and the face. I don't know. Um, like I saw, I was watching some film last week and, and a guy was a high ranked guy was wrestling another high ranked guy. And, um, he was in on the leg. Wrestler A was in on the leg, and wrestler B just literally grabbed his his ankle and pulled it outside. And the ref immediately went potentially dangerous. And wrestler A, who was in on the leg, was about to score. And so, to me, that's like that's that's borderline. That, that should, to me, stuff like that can be called illegal, and you never see it. Um, you know, because he was about ready to get scored on and instead he just yanks his knee out right. and it's potentially dangerous back to your feet. No takedown. You know what I mean? So stuff like that, I've been, and I've been seeing a lot more of it this year and it may be just cause I'm on a little bit of a kick with it. Um, you know, the other thing that, that kind of drives me crazy that hasn't really been enforced that, that heavily the last couple of years is when guys leave their feet on mat returns. And, you know, I've seen guys blow their knees out and it just makes me cringe when I see yeah, it. Yeah. And, and yeah. you don't, you don't, you just don't see it called very much where guys are leaving their feet. And, and, um, you know, I've seen a lot of examples of it where it just, just doesn't get called. And actually a couple, two weeks ago and then last week too, you know, I've just some film I've been watching and, you know, you see it a lot. And so maybe just more emphasis on, on keeping guys safe on the mat and, you know, um, I guess that's not really a rule change, though, but that's kind of something that... No, it is, though. It's a point of emphasis, I think, is what they would call it. Yeah. 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 Sure. Right. Well, look, man, I know you got practice in 10 minutes. I appreciate you squeezing me in. Um, This time of the year, I just try to wish everybody good luck and good health. You know, get everybody to the finish line and hope all your guys are able to do the best they can and be able to compete at 100%. Um, I, I know you'll be busy in Pittsburgh, but hopefully I'll see you there, and I'll definitely see you in Vegas. And, and I got to say this, you are, you are upping the brand's fashion game with the khakis and the, the pure white shoes, man. Like, it, your, your, your gear is on point. So, you know, I see. Well, it's kind of funny this weekend we're wrestling, uh, we're wrestling in Illinois, and we're getting, getting dressed in the locker room, and, and Tom and Terry both came out in a checkered shirt, and I had a black shirt on, and. I brought like three or four shirts and I looked and I had a checkered shirt that looked identical to theirs. And I, <laughs> I immediately went over and changed it just to kind of mock. And then they were like, you're not going to wear a checkered shirt. Don't you wear it. I'm, like, I'm like, I am for, there's no way I'm not, I'm not going to wear this shirt. So it's kind of funny. We probably, 
we probably look pretty funny in the corner with all three checkered shirts on, but <laughs> you guys like Garanimals. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah, don't say they wear Garanimals. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I'm on it. <laughs> no, don't. I just want to stay friendly. <laughs> so, and if they do, it's tongue plays for purely or firmly in cheek. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, man. Well, I've had a lot of fun. This has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Iowa assistant coach, Ryan Morningstar. I'm David Mercatani. Thank you so much for listening.